For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Welcome to the Heal Thrive Dream Podcast, where trauma survivors become healthy thrivers. Each month will feature a theme in the trauma recovery and empowerment field. To promote your recovery, healing, and learning how to build dreams, here's your host, Karen Robinson, transformational coach and therapist. Hi, welcome to the Heal Thrive Dream Podcast. Today, our guest is Nancy Picard. Nancy splits her time between Aspen, Colorado and Marin, California. Nancy is a certified master integrative life coach with a myriad of coaching certifications. She specializes in shadow work, boundaries, marriage and relationships, healing your heart, reinvention and parenting. She is also the author of an international best-selling book, Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, Transform Your Life, Coaching Others to Step Out of Fear and Into Bigger Versions of Themselves is her passion. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Nancy. Thanks for having me, Karen. What would you like to add to that fabulous bio of yours? Nothing. I'm an avid athlete. So I hike and bike and ski and do yoga and play pickleball. I do one of those things every single day. And that's my other side of my passion. That must be why you look so youthful. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Podcast guests can't see you, but YouTubers can. And for you podcast people, she's got beautiful smooth clear skin so I I think uh the workouts and maybe some nutrition and water help with all that as what I hear (laughs) yeah it does does. yeah you've got great skin too by the way oh thank you so Nancy let's just dig in a little bit and if I ask you anything that you don't want to discuss just let us know Um, because I I want to be I want you to feel comfortable however our audience really connects well to women who share pieces of their own trauma recovery. It just helps us all relate to you a little better. What about your your journey, whether it's trauma or adversity, has been a, a barrier for you that you've had to overcome? Well, what I didn't know when I was going through it and what I learned later on is that I was very other referenced. I saw myself through the eyes of how my partner saw me or how a man saw me. And so after 26 years of being married, when my marriage fell apart and I had 
you know, no control over my husband wanting out, I fell apart and I really hit block bottom because I had built 26 years with this man and built a family and loved my life and loved my husband and truly was the love of my life. And I just didn't have the tools to know how to survive and pick myself up. And so it was a long haul back. And what I really learned was in all of this work was that I needed to be self-referred. I need to know that I was, you know, I needed to trust myself and know that I was worthy and know that I was worthy just because I lived on this earth and not because of how this man saw me. And there was a lot of work around that to really get it and really understand it and to build my self-worth on myself. So that was, that was like the biggest transition in terms of what I, what I learned about myself, because I always thought I had self-worth, but I really didn't recognize that what I really believed was that I was half of a whole mm -hmm. and I didn't see myself as whole by myself, you know, childhood upbringing and just how we as women see ourselves it's, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about working with, you know, like 30 year old women who want a career, but they also want a partner and they, they don't have healthy boundaries and they don't know how to speak their truth. And they, you know, are passive aggressive and all of these things that we women generally are. I love to help them overcome all of that so that they don't have to bring that into the 40s and 50s and 60s like many of us have had to do. What you're saying, how you described your relationship reminds me of the women that I work with that have had narcissistic partners in their past. Is that part of what happened to you? Is somewhere along your journey, you were in a narcissistic relationship, either your marriage or any partners before that? You know, I, I I don't know that that's what it was more than I felt I always put the man on a pedestal and always thought that his needs came first. And so I can't actually even blame that on them as much as that's how I saw my role. Where did that come from? From I, I, I earned it from watching my mother model my mother. You know, my mother mm -hmm. was always your man comes first and putting his needs first. And my dad really was, I mean, he was a great dad. I love him dearly, but it was a man's house, you know, like he ruled what he wanted went. they went on vacation where he wanted to, if he didn't want to do something or go someplace, he didn't. And so I watched that. And I also learned from my mother that it was, you know, she, something happened when I was a child that she shamed me into like not putting my dad first. And so I grew up with the belief that love and life means putting your partners or putting your husband or putting the people that you love ahead of you. And so mm -hmm. I learned that from her modeling it. And then also when she shamed me, whenever you get shamed, it creates a shadow belief around it. You know, you were a bad person, you did something, you know. And so I grew up believing that that was my role. And how was that detrimental to you? It's detrimental because you, we all have needs and it's not really healthy 
to put somebody else's needs in front of your own. You become depleted. You become passive aggressive. You lose sight of who you are. You disappear. You become selfless. There's less of you. You know, you don't want to be selfless. So I didn't really take care of myself by setting healthy boundaries and by making my own needs as much a priority as I do today in my relationships. Beautiful. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your healing journey. Like when you decided that it's okay in order to take care of yourself, that we've got to be selfish a little bit and that's healthy, you know, because then we have this toolbox of how then to help others. Can you share your journey with us? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just, I, when I, when my marriage fell apart, all I really wanted to do was fix the picture. So I believed I still needed a man to take care of me. And so I dated a lot of men and I was once again engaged in living with somebody. And when that fell apart, that's when I really did the work. That's when I realized, wait a minute, I can't just have a bad picker. You know, there's got to be something here about me that the universe wants me to know. And that's when I actually got a healing your heart coach. That was the first coaching I'd ever done. And so I started the coaching and that's what made me decide that I wanted to actually become a coach. I had been a personal trainer for 16 years. And then when my marriage fell apart, I stopped working and I moved and I didn't, I didn't really train anymore. So I wasn't really working for nine years and I was over-exercising exactly what I was doing. I was spending my day over-exercising and then I got ill and I got cancer from that. And so that was a big lesson learned to balance and listen to your body. And, and so it was through the healing your heart that I first started to do the inner work. And I have maybe eight or nine different certifications at this point. And so I'm sure you know this, that as we are in the work, we are doing the work over and over and over again. It's like we are this onion and we're peeling away the layers and it's never done, but we are always, like I have a growth mindset. I am always looking for what am I gonna learn next? Like what, what client has come to me that I need to know more so I can help them more in a particular area. And then I go out and I find a certification and I, I, I take care of it, you know? So it's just been a journey of compassion for myself, learning to make myself a priority, learning to take care of my needs, a lot of self-care and just a lot of inner child work. And so learning what I needed to discover that was in my subconscious, that was ruling my operating system, that was keeping me playing small. And so because I've done all of this work on myself, it's, I'm so, it's so easy for me to do it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, this concept of shadow work for our listeners who may not understand what that is. Could you say a little more about that? I'd love to say more about that. So we all have beliefs from our childhood that we made because we weren't emotionally intelligent enough or mature enough to understand. So something happened and we're meaning making machines. We give it a meaning and it's usually um, a disempowering meaning. I'm not worthy. I'm broken. Uh, I need to be perfect to be loved. I need to be quiet to be safe. 
I'll, my needs will never be met. I'm not safe alone. I need to be quiet so no one will know I'm stupid. All of these things go in a in a second. Something happened. You know, a, a child stands up in first grade and reads to the class and says something wrong, and everybody laughs at them. And without it even hitting their conscious mind, subconsciously, they're like, I'm stupid. I need to stay quiet so this will not happen again, and no one will know I'm stupid. And that keeps them safe as a child. They all keep us safe. You know, you have alcoholic parents, you have narcissistic parents, you learn that your needs are not important or that your needs don't matter or that you need to stay quiet to be safe. And so you do those things and they do keep you safe. So, you know, those are our adaptive child. They're the child in us that has learned how to take our wounds and adapt in the world and stay safe. So we need to thank our adaptive child, but also as we get older, we don't realize it, but those same beliefs that were keeping us safe are now keeping us small mm -hmm. and they're no longer helping us. So, you know, Terry Real, who's my mentor now in my new certification, Relational Life Therapy, is says that adaptive then, maladaptive now. And so when people come to me, whatever they come to me for, some come to me for a new job, they want to lose weight, they want to get in a marriage, they want to get out of a marriage, you know, should they have a child alone, should they leave their job and do a startup, like all of these things, it doesn't matter what they come to me for, we have to uncover what's keeping them stuck. And then once we do that, we can work on those beliefs, giving you new beliefs that are going to change the neural pathway of what you've been believing and also make action steps to get you where you want to go, which is so much easier once you've uncovered what's been keeping you stuck and you didn't know about it. Right. Yeah, I can see how this is beautiful work on one-to-one. -one. How do you apply this when you do relationship work? Mm. Great question. So in relational life therapy, we believe that you do the inner child work in front of the partner, which is most therapies don't really do that. And the beauty right. of it is, is that you're seeing the trauma that they had. You're seeing them because you take them back into the, to be that child. You, you know, you go in to talk to that adaptive child to see, you know, what made you that way and what happened to you and usually the the person's crying and then their partner is seeing the agony of what they went through and how they how those beliefs and how their patterns and how even their their modeling of bad behavior has come innocently to them because that's how they were brought up it, it it's really good for the partner to see it so when I work with relationships, I'm working on skills and tools to help the couple change their pattern of their dis, you know, their their losing strategies that they've been using. I help them see what their pattern is so that they can have a healthier relationship with each other while at the same time in certain sessions I do inner child work with each of them to help them change those, you know adaptations that are no longer serving them. Okay, I got it. It reminds me of Imago yeah. marital work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Very cool. Okay, so what do you cover in your book? Like, why should people purchase your book? What 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 goodness is is in there? Great question, Karen. So, <laughs> my book is really a step by step how to uncover those shadow beliefs. I take them through processes in the book, how to uncover them and then take actionable steps towards the goal that you want to live a bigger, better, braver life. So like when I was turning 60, I decided I wanted to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And so my book was sort of like, well, what's your Mount Kilimanjaro? What do you want to do in your life that you have not been able to do? And this book will help them do it. And the beauty of the book is that for many people, they can't afford a life coach. And so you can read my book or listen to my book. I have an audible of it. I also have an online course with it. So you could go deeper into it. I do group coaching with it and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's all on getting outside your comfort zone, using fear as a motivating force for change having a growth mindset, uncovering all the different parts of your unconscious beliefs and your unconscious commitments that you've made to yourself so that you can actually make the changes that you want to make. Beautiful. And we're going to have links in the show notes to your course and the book, but just so listeners are aware, you also sent us a coupon code for them for the, the course. I did. So I have I'll, a yeah. I have a course on Gen Connect You, which is a women's platform for like business women. And so that course is is a little different than my Bigger Better Braver course because it's it's about how to be bigger, better, braver, but like in your career. So like I talk about boundaries, but instead of personal boundaries, I'm talking about like boundaries in the office or boundaries on Zoom and you know changing. It's a little bit different. Both of them are great. Oh, so you have two courses. Yeah, I have a Bigger, Better, Braver, Evergreen course that you can get off my website. But then that other one is on not my platform. It's on Gen Connect You. I see. Okay, great. Okay. All right. So let's see what I usually... I usually ask questions about books and I don't know if I want to do that quite yet. I think I want to ask you, what are your tips on conquering fear? I personally use my fear as, as a motivating force for me. So anything that I'm afraid to do is seriously a signal that I have to do it. And so for an example, when I was invited to teach a course, to, to create a course for Gen Connect You, my first week, I said yes immediately, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, they think I'm bigger than I am, or they think I know more than I do. You know, the imposter syndrome sets in, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so used to this already that I know that if there's something I'm afraid to do, the moment I step in, I will be that exact person that I don't think I am. And so That's beautiful. I use that for everything. And like, even when I was training for Kilimanjaro, I would say to myself, well, if you can't do this, you won't be able to do that. So I can push myself through all my fears, knowing that growth is always on the other side. 
Yeah, I think if a goal at 60 is to climb, you know, large mountains, there's probably right. not much you can't do, Nancy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great experience. <laughs> so I will ask about books. Do you have any favorite books that you have found to be really healing for you along your, your recovery journey? I do. I have a lot of them. You guys can't see, but my whole thing over here is covered with books. But my favorite all-time book is Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul. And that helped me a number of times. But when I was broken up with my, in my second main relationship, that really helped me learn how to open my heart and how to become the observer instead of the reactor of everything that was happening. So instead of just like shooting out a, an adaptive child quick response and, you know, mean letter and stuff like that, I really learned to sit back and ask myself like, well, how else can, can I look at this? And why am I making this mean? Why am I making this about me? What if it's not even about me? What if it's just the person's having a bad day? Or how else could they have meant to say what they said? Or what wound is this triggering? These are all the questions that I work on so that I don't have to be reactive and then I can respond and I'm usually not in a reactive spot anymore. Not always. We're, we're human beings mm -hmm. and we're just in the work like everybody else. So that's my favorite book. But I have to say that now for relationships, all of Terry Reel's books are just amazing. So he has a book called The New Rules of Marriage. He has a book called Us, which is like when you and I become us. He has a great book on male depression. He wrote the first book ever on male depression called I Don't Want to Talk About It. Mm -hmm. And then he has an audible on Sounds True called Fierce Intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think all of them are just phenomenal. And of course, my book, you know. Well, oh yes, of course. course. That's that's your number one recommendation. Yeah, that's right? my number one recommendation. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So another question I sometimes like to ask coaches, Nancy, and I think you might be someone perfect to ask because it sounds like you're living your best life. It sounds like you're you have a, a lot of holistic tools for healing. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe share with us like one of your routines, whether it's your morning routine, your bedtime routine, like how can others emulate you? So I ask myself every morning, what's the most, what's the most passionate thing that I can do for myself? What's the most self-caring thing I can do for myself today? Now, sometimes Every day I exercise outside in nature every single day, no matter what the weather. So that is a self-care thing. But when I ask myself that question, it prompts me to be like, you have to do your taxes or you have to call that doctor and make that appointment or you have to call this person that you kind of have a thing with right now. It's like it takes me out of autopilot and it gives me a moment to think about myself. And what is the most self-honoring thing I can do today? And then I do it. So it it's that's my morning routine. And my evening routine is to just write down two things I'm grateful for about my partner. 
And if we're together, because we, we, we live together like 80, 20, I'll say it to him, you know, this is what I'm grateful for you today. Like, you know, it could be as you, you got up and took the dog out this morning, or, you know, you made the coffee before I did, or it could be anything you edited my paper, you know, it could be absolutely anything, but it, it, when you think about gratitude, it lightens your heart and it makes you have better feelings and sweet feelings towards your partner. So I have my clients, some of my clients do it with each other every night before they go to bed. They get in bed and they each just get to name something about the other person. I love this. Can you maybe share what kind of difference this has made in, in your relationship or your clients' relationships? Yeah, it's a really sweet way to end the night. You know, it's it's again, it's a it's a trick to get out of autopilot. It takes a moment. That's it. I've had some clients that have had a really hard time doing it because they're in such a bad way with their partner that literally I had a client who came up with, well, I like your pants. You know, she couldn't think of anything that she was grateful for in the moment. And so that's very telling. And then there's work right there to help them shift that. You're in so much resistance and pain with your partner that it's hard for you to find a place of gratitude. And so when they can find it, it's it's a softening. Mm -hmm. We all need softening. We all need softening. That's right. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up your, your time with us today, do you have any words of wisdom for any woman or man um, listening or watching? Any words of wisdom to help them feel more connected, whether it's an intimate partner, friendship, child, parent relationship? Any suggestions? Yeah, I do. I mean, I feel like everybody has trauma in their life and drama in their life and that where you are in that moment of healing, you're not going to stay there. So you're going to pass through it by doing the work and moving. It moves and that it's an inside job. And so stop looking outside to other people to validate you and to heal you and to take care of you because You'll never get that until you know how to take care of yourself and love yourself and trust yourself. So it's an inside job. Become the person you want to attract or become the person you want others to see you. You have to become it. Very nicely said. Thank you. So Nancy, I really appreciate your time with us here today. For anyone that's curious and wants to learn more about you or reach out to you to work with you, what's the best way to do that? Nancy Picard, P-I-C-K-A-R-D, lifecoach.com is my website and everything is on there. Like your podcast will be on there at some point. So I have like a ton of podcasts, blogs, all my different coaching modalities, how to get my book how to sign up for a free discovery call, how to email me. Really everything is right on there. But you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well, Nancy Picard Life Coach. Beautiful. Thanks again, Nancy. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening in today. Please join us next week, same day and time. Also, I would love for you to check out my website, healthrivedream.com.